Thanks for joining us this morning on AutoLine, and a special thanks to our special guest today, Mark Fields, the president of the Americas for the Ford Motor Company. Mark, great having you here on the show. Thanks for having me on, John. Good. Also joining us today are Gene Jennings, the president and editor-in-chief of Automobile Magazine. Great having you here, Gene. Thank you. And Jason Stein, the editor of Automotive News. Great having you here as well, Jason. Thanks very much, John. Mark, let's get into it. Uh, 2011 turned out to be not half bad a year in the American auto industry. What's your outlook for 2012? Because we keep hearing about the meltdown in Europe and it might drag right. us down, softness elsewhere. How do you look at it right now? Well, when we look at the market, uh, obviously, as we normally do, we'll, we'll give our, our forecast for it early next year. But, you know, as you look at it, uh, there's a lot of replacement demand out there. We've seen Moderate growth, pretty steady growth this year, even if you kind of normalize for the, the tragedy in Japan and what the impact that had on inventories. But the retail segment has shown quarter-on-quarter -quarter growth, and we expect to continue to see replacement de demand uh, support further growth next year. Moderate, but further growth. You said a key word, retail growth, because the Detroit automakers, including mm -hmm. Ford, have been heavily criticized over the years for selling too many of their products to the fleets, which are not as profitable. Give us the breakdown and, or the trend lines as to where retail and fleet is going for Ford. Well, this year, when you look at our sales uh, through November, about 32% about of our sales are fleet. Uh, but you have to really kind of understand, break down the fleet market into its component parts. Obviously, daily rental is a piece of it, uh, which uh, we sell a certain amount in there. The, actually, our percentage of sales are the, the smallest among the other OEMs. Then there's uh, commercial. Uh, basically small businesses, medium-sized businesses, where we're doing very well in that marketplace. And then government uh, fleets, which we do uh, very well on that. So as we've seen this year, we've seen a, a good growth in uh, the fleet market, but we've also seen very good growth in the retail market. And in an environment where you have so much production, I think we've been fairly judicious in trying to meet the demands of both, but clearly with that replacement demand out there for retail customers, obviously we want to make sure we get those cars and trucks to them. It's a very high scrappage rate right now, very high scrappage rate, and a very old fleet on the road, older than ever. What else is impacting your replacement demand? Well, that's a great question, because when you look at the, the bottom line is the inventory of vehicles out there, they're old. Mm -hmm. I mean, some of these vehicles could get AARP uh, subscriptions <laughs> if they want to. I mean, the park overall, or the inventory out there, is almost 11 years old. It's the oldest it's ever been. And our dealers are telling us they're taking in trade-ins with mileage on them that they've never seen before. So we think that just natural replacement uh, rate is going to support the industry going forward. You also have things like population growth, right? Every year the U.S. adds about 2 million new drivers. Um, you have discretionary buyers out there, and they've been more kind of... Uh, kind of out of the market because of just the economic uh, uh, considerations. But we see that replacement uh, uh, kind of uh, that, uh, market out there that's really, I think, going to continue to support the industry going into 2012. And I think that's a good thing for Ford, and it's a good thing for the industry. When you look at uh, Europe, there's been so much uncertainty just with uh, you know, sovereign debt levels. How do you see that affecting North America, or are we going to be somewhat protected by that here? Well, obviously, the situation in, in Europe, it's, it's, it's serious and it's complex. But as it reflects uh, back here and impacts on the U.S., I think that the market fundamentals here are very good. Uh, I think if we do uh, see in the event of uh, a situation where there's a big impact on the banking system there, 
that could bleed itself over here into the U.S. and affect uh, um, either some of the banks or some of the financing. But that's the only way I, I really see that affecting uh, the U.S. market at this point. And credit's pretty good right now, right? Credit is actually very good. Uh, you know, we've had Ford Credit for, it's a strategic asset for our company. Uh, uh, they're uh, great partners for us uh, as, as part of our company, and uh, we uh, never abandon the marketplace. Uh, we've been supporting our dealers, supporting our customers, but in general, credit has, uh, is improving for the industry literally uh, month on month, and that's supporting, I think, uh, a lot of the, the industry sales, which is a good thing. Mark, so much changes so quickly in this industry. A year ago, Ford was on top of the heap when it came to independence, uh, data houses rating you for quality, like Consumer Reports and J.D. Power. Everybody was singing Ford's praises, and then bang, bang, you ran into two problems with my Ford Touch. No problem with the, the, the system necessarily, but people couldn't figure it out or uh, how to deal with it. And with your dual clutch transmissions, people don't like the way they shift. Again, I don't think there's a problem with the transmission, but the way that your engineers have calibrated it, the way they've tuned the transmission, customers don't like that. Are you, are you learning anything from this? Are you doing anything differently so that Ford doesn't get caught off guards? Because you, you really took a pounding in the polls, as it were. I think you dropped 20 spots mm -hmm. in the, the consumer reports, quality ratings just because of those issues. Right. Well, you know, when you look at our quality, we've had a wonderful performance over the previous five years, where every year we were improving on a very consistent basis. This year we did take a hit. Uh, and part of it, as you said, was uh, based on our uh, transmission. Uh, our dual clutch transmission, and that was really in an environment where uh, fuel economy is more and more becoming a reason to buy a Ford. Uh, we actually use that transmission. It's a great transmission. Customers had some issues around uh, the performance feel of it. So like any, uh, I think, good company, and, and this is really, I think, endemic of Ford today, we're going to take input from all customers and we're going to learn from it. So we've made some calibration changes. Uh, on the transmissions and the feedback from the customers has been fantastic. And on the issue of my Ford Touch, you know, in general, it's been such a positive for the company because customers really like it. Um, they just uh, have told us and gave us input. We want to, they want to, want us to make it uh, faster, simpler, and easier. So, you know, not only are we a car and truck company, we're also a technology company now. So we're also learning to work at that clock speed, like a software company. So we've taken that input, we've put a, a couple of upgrades out there, and importantly in uh, our model year 13, and which will start in, in February for some of our vehicles, we're going to offer a performance upgrade not only for our model 13 year models that have my Ford Touch uh, and, and my Lincoln Touch, but for all the customers that currently have that. So it's kind of like your smartphone where you call up an app and you're always <coughs> you're getting an update. Uh, we're learning, listening to customers. And I think uh, the true hallmarks of being leaders is not being afraid of pushing the envelope on technology for customer benefit, not just for technology's sake, and then learning from that and taking the input from the customers. So clearly you've tested these systems for, for a long time. You, you rack up, I don't know, how many millions of miles at the proving grounds and all that. Why did you not catch this? And did you learn something new of maybe you're missing consumer input or the voice of the customer, not just the voice of the engineer. Well, that's a great point because we've been developing vehicles for over 100 years, so we know the mechanics of the mechanical parts of the vehicle. Uh, I think we had a very robust process through the development of my Ford Touch, but clearly we had some things that we had to change in our protocols in terms of going through design, development, and the equivalent of durability. Uh, and we've learned from that. 
uh, and we've used that to upgrade the system, but we've also used that to improve our processes going forward. And one of the things that we're doing, for example, in this uh, performance upgrade that we're offering in February, um, we're putting it out to a, a large population, about 1,000 drivers uh, within Ford, to shake it down as well to help the team and get that input so that when we get out there with the software, it's what customers really want. When you're a, a, a leader in you know, that kind of technology field, do you also run the risk of, of hanging yourself out there a little bit uh, too early, you know. I mean, you wanted to bring technology to the masses in a in a way that right. really no other automaker had done up to this point. But but you also run that risk of of being a little too out front of customers who maybe aren't used to those systems in that in that. Well, price I think segment? it's a it's a, it's again it's another great question because you know our product strategy has been very consistent over the past four or five years. It's about leading in quality, green or fuel efficiency, safety, and what we call smart technology. So we spend a lot of time on innovations uh, for customers' benefit, and not just innovations uh, to kind of put in a vehicle and confuse folks. Um, but I think as, as a company, we have said we want to lead in this area. And sometimes when you lead, uh, you're breaking new ground. And I think the key for us going forward is to continue to keep that a strong pillar in our business because it's had such benefit for our customers, it has such benefit for our business that we just have to improve our processes as we bring those innovations out and learn from them every time we do that. I think the, the worst thing uh, we could do is kind of stick our heads in the sand and say, oh my gosh, we, we have a problem, so we'll really push back on that. It's about continuous improvement, continuous learning from the customers, and not backing off on that very strategic part of our product strategy. It's interesting, um, on, going back to the the idea that um, the, the fleet is very old. You've, in a sense, made your own bed here. I mean, these cars, we've been saying this for some years, cars last, you don't even do anything to them for the first 100,000 miles, really. They will last. They'll last a couple hundred thousand miles. They'll be fine. If you change the oil, they'll last even longer, right? Mm -hmm. So this has brought design and these and interesting technologies much higher up on the consideration level for people. How important is design to you now? Design is is a top of the list. I mean, when we talk about our product strategy of quality, green, safe, and smart, we always add wrapped around great design and a great value for the customer. Because at the end of the day, uh, you know, a car says a lot about a person, and they want to look good in their vehicle. They want to make a, a statement, whether it be a conservative statement or you know, a, a more radical statement. And we have really challenged our design group to, to think about that. And I'll use the Escape as, a, as an example. At the LA show, we introduced the new Escape. The current Escape has been a fantastic vehicle for us. I mean, this year is going to be a record sales year for our current Escape, number one in the segment. Uh, but what customers told us is we love the Escape, we love the capability and functionality of it in terms of its cargo capability, towing, et cetera. But you know what? We want more design. And what you saw from the new Escape that we launched in LA was a vehicle that delivers all that plus a great design. And that is going to be continue to be, I think, a, a true differentiator for us going forward, as well as the other product attributes and a great consumer experience. But to your point, as the as 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 an industry, as we've improved the quality, we would expect the car park to go older, get older. And that's why uh, to entice people back into the marketplace, give them great technology, give them great design, and give them great fuel economy. Because as gas prices continue their inexorable rise up over a long term, 
Our strategy has been very simple. Give them best in class and fuel uh, in fuel efficiency. You took and a lot of heat on the small car strategy. You know, in the past couple of years, you've taken a lot of heat on that. Um, but it's sort of proven out, isn't it? Well, we, you know, uh, about five, six years ago, we <clears> took a, a really in-depth uh, view, and we took a point of view of the marketplace going forward. And our point of view was pretty simple. One, gas prices were going to continue to go up. And two, that the car market, particularly small cars, were going to become a bigger piece of the marketplace. Not only because uh, fuel costs were becoming, would become more and more a concern for customers, but the way you could package a vehicle, you literally get the, the interior package of a, a, CK, a, a compact car today that used to be the interior of a, a midsize. And so people don't want to sacrifice a lot of times on the, um, the cargo capability of it, but they want the better fuel economy. But the good thing is they also want the features that they're used to. So you're driving but a lot of it. They also want a lower price tag. Yeah. And doesn't that concern you that the disposable income of Americans has essentially flatlined for a decade right now? And going forward, isn't that a worry for the industry? Well, I think we've, uh, uh, as, a, as a business, we've, we've looked at that. Um, and clearly, as, you've looked at, as we look at the consumer, you know, they've, they've, they've gone through a level of kind of what do they call it, deleveraging and you know, increasing their savings rates, et cetera. But what we found is what, what people really want, when they're spending money for a car, which is the second biggest purchase they want, they want to make sure they get the best value in the vehicles that they have. And value spans the whole spectrum from consumers who walk into the dealership and say, I only have X to spend per month on my vehicle, to consumers that have maybe a, 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 a higher number. But throughout the spectrum, they want to make sure that they're getting the best value. So when we look at our vehicles, segment by segment, we look at, uh, from a value standpoint, are we giving the consumer what they want, and we, are we giving it in a price range, in a band that can span from entry-level buyers all the way up to high-end buyers, for example, like we're doing on our Focus. Uh, we have a great low-end model all the way up to our titanium model where the consumers can get you know, lots of other features and provide that to them and make, let the consumer uh, have the choice, but as a company, give them that choice. Speaking of design, now you're finally using those in-house resources where, you know, we saw these great cars in Europe. You'd say, well, why can't I get that car here? But now, essentially, you know, in, in the escape, I know hints to the, of the next generation of that, but, but now you are delivering on that global design, right? Well, it's, it, our, our one Ford strategy of really marshalling our talent around the world has just been a, a wonderful and liberating thing for the company because you know, we're able to draw on the talent across, uh, across the world. In the case of uh, design of some of our vehicles, the small car vehicles, Escape, you know, we, uh, you know, we always have the competitions uh, through the various studios. And in this case, you know, the European designers came up with some great designs that in the past, uh, we acted more like a regional company as opposed, and, and global in name only. Now we truly are a global company looking for the best solution and not worrying about who gets the credit or, you know, this is, this is you know, the North American region, so talk to the hand type of stuff. It's about working together and bringing the great, best products to the marketplace. And I think, Jason, the thing that's helped us is as we've looked across the world, consumer um, wants are actually converging. Uh, they want design. They want great fuel economy. They want the best technology. They want the best safety. And when you look at our product strategy, that really resonates around the world, whereas in the past, maybe here in the U.S., fuel economy wasn't such an important thing 10, 15 years ago. 
So it's really helped the market dynamics and our own one forward strategy, I think, have married up very well to allow us to tap the resources around the world. You said talent. You said competition. Isn't it distracting to read those stories like in today's Wall Street Journal about talent and competition and within Ford Motor Company to re and in your magazine <laughs> last week, who's going to replace Mullally? Isn't that distracting? You probably like them saying that Lewis Booth was old and Farley is crazy. And what was your problem with <laughs> You know, Gene, I have to be really honest with you. <clears throat> to your point, I think that the media is more interested in that than we are right now. They eat because, it up because, here. Sure we are. Eat it because, right up. Because we are not going to get distracted. I mean, for all of us, it's around focusing on the business. And the way we run the business now, where, <clears throat> you know, what Alan has instituted over the past number of years, every Thursday we get together as a management team. And we are looking not only at our own results, but we are looking at that business environment every single week. And it's a wonderful reminder for us that we cannot allow ourselves to get distracted or, or, or get uh, lazy or, you know, take the market for granted. So, you know, things like that, that, that really don't come into the things we're thinking about. We're thinking about how we compete and win in the marketplace because it's got to be all about the company, not about the individual. And when we act that way, I mean, we're, we're getting wonderful results and we're not going to get distracted by that type well, of the, stuff. And the reality is, you know, Ford is at the top of the food chain in a very deep level and as far as management goes. The reason these stories are in the paper is that every one of the top people on your team is capable of running that company. So I see it as kind of like the monster.com for all the rest of the car companies that perhaps could use some leadership. Well, you know, we, you could go out and multiply. We, we love. You our, could all go out and multiply. I mean, we love our Ford team. I, I'm honored to serve with our other members of the of the Ford team, and we really are a team uh, because it's not only about producing great cars and trucks. You know, we work for a company that um, has a soul and gives back to the community, and we did we did so through even the the darkest times uh, of the industry, and I think that means a lot to us. Uh, and it, when you go through uh, kind of those periods of time and you work through the trenches, out of the trenches together, it really bonds you in not only creating a successful business, but also a greater calling. I don't mean to sound too, you know, foo-foo about this, but a greater calling about proving that an American company, a manufacturing company, can compete and succeed not only here in the U.S., but worldwide, and I think that's very, very important. A few years ago, your CEO challenged your team when he walked in on those Thursday meetings, and he said, put, a, put up the metrics, red, yellow, or green, on what's running right or what's not running right. Right. And now you're going to, and that kind of liberated oh, the whole and team. He was right? the first one to put up red. He was the first one to put up red, and, and everybody looked at you and said, I wonder, I wonder if he's going to be Dead here next band. week. <laughs> um, how much has... Alan Mulally, uh, how much is he continuing to change the culture or challenging the culture? And we, we already know he changed it, yep. but how much is he continuing? He continue, Alan is very, very consistent on that. And, and the great news is because we've been doing this as a team over the past uh, five or six years, we're now all doing it with our teams. Because, you know, we, we have to make no illusions. I mean, we're a 108-year-old company, and we're, you know, five, six years into really keeping and nurturing the things that are great about the culture of our company. You know, the sense of community that we have working for Ford, the fact that the Ford family is still involved, the fact that we have this fantastic heritage as a company. But then also uh, the changes that we've made in the culture around working together, 
um, not worrying about, uh, you know, the competition across the hall. It's about the competition across, you know, the city or across the, the oceans. And that's been a wonderful, liberating thing for us. And our, that could be our most wonderful legacy to the company is how do we institutionalize that throughout the company? And I think we're all very aware of it. Because that's the next step, right? Because, I mean, he could leave in two years if the journal says it's true. But, I mean, he could leave in two years and then we could revert back to the old ways. But you know what the great thing, Jason, is? Um, as we've changed the culture in terms of how we run the company and how we behave, you know, you, you look at the results and they work. And that is a wonderful liberator for everybody that's saying, you know, this is not only the right thing to do, being, you know, people, but it's the right thing to do for the business. And you get great results when you do that. And that's a wonderfully reinforcing kind of circle that we, uh, that we work in. It's interesting, too. We were talking earlier um, before you arrived about the different styles of leadership and, and, and what they are. And in, um, in this company, it's a, a focused message. It's a team. It's teamwork. And it is lacking the, the kind of, you know, oh, I'm the head me, of this company, first, so I'm yeah. hot, yeah. you know, and yeah. look at what I have arrayed in front of me and what I can do for myself. And I'm yeah. so, you know, it's different than the GE culture where they created a lot of managers, but they're all crazy people. Maybe not all of them, but, you know, it sort of exploded. Um, it, it is a different sort of leadership style that is, is very much focused for the company and for the people. I think it's also interesting that because you didn't take the money, you created, you can't say that enough. You can't, you can never say it enough. And for anybody questioning, what Gene means is Ford did not take money from the government, government. not a bailout. Because you didn't do that, you kept the fire burning in Detroit for the rest of the United States, something to believe in. And I truly believe that the other car companies here owe Ford a debt for that, and it allowed them to come out of their bankruptcies and thrive because the fire was burning. The whole thing could have just been right down, right down the sinkhole. Well, I think, you know, I can't speak to other companies, but, you know, I think our approach as a company very simply is, you know, continue to focus on the customer. But, you know, we built, I think, a very solid foundation for the, for the company over the past number, uh, you know, four or five years. And I think the approach we're taking is what I would call quiet confidence. Confidence about our future, confidence about our ability to continue to focus on the business, focus on the external environment, focus on overcoming inhibitors or things that, you know, come at us, whether they be natural disasters or, or, or whatnot. But do it in a way that, that keeps us humble because, again, the market is moving at a clock speed we've never seen before. There are global competitors out there that would love to come and take our share. And that is a wonderful reminder that we must remain confident, but also humble at the same time and stay focused on building great cars and trucks and doing it together. And it sounds uh, motherhood and apple pie, but it requires a level of trust that we have as a management team and a level of transparency that we uh, never had in the company uh, over many years. And on transparency, suppliers tell us that you are more open with them and you're, you're more collaborative, especially when it comes to innovation, than Ford has ever been before. And I know that you've, you've worked hard at that to change that. that. That would not have been the story a number of years ago. That's true. I mean, nobody wanted to be dead last in the supplier survey <laughs> of who suppliers liked as their company, the customers. And that's where we were. And we basically said to the suppliers, listen, we, we, we want you to be our partners because we want you to p- give us uh, 
uh, your best people on the Ford account. We want you to come to us first when you have new technologies or new, new features. And let's have that discussion as opposed to the talk to the hand, you know, we know better. Um, and it's a journey. All this is a journey, and we, we think we're well along on that journey, but we know there's never any end to it. And it's about partnership. It's about profitable growth for all, and it's not just a, a, a tagline in the company. We mean it. We want our suppliers to benefit. We want our dealers to benefit, our employees, our customers, our, our communities, our shareholders, uh, because when you have that as an approach as a company, it widens your mind up wonderfully to uh, options. One of the great pieces of news coming out of Detroit this year is the addition of jobs across the companies. Right. Well, you know, as you know, through our, uh, our UAW contract that we, we just concluded, uh, it was a great contract because it was very fair to our employees, but it also improved the competitiveness of the company and allowed us to add jobs here in the U.S. We're adding 12,000 jobs between now and 2015. We're insourcing work. We're bringing work back from China, from uh, Japan, from Mexico. And when we can work together and we can be competitive, we can grow jobs. And I think that's good for Ford, and I think it's good for the U.S. What do you mean by bringing back jobs from Canada and, and uh, Mexico? In what way? Well, basically, we've, uh, we've basically sourced suppliers that are making components in places like Japan and Mexico and in and China, and we're actually insourcing that back into here into our facilities in the U.S. We're getting down to the very end here. I'm just curious. Uh, Alan Mulally is a very unique individual, unlike any executive I think I've ever met. Is there any one thing that you've learned from him that you went, aha, that's pretty good. I'm, I'm going to start doing that, too. Well, I think two things. One is uh, Alan is so consistently focused. Uh, that consistency is, is really important. Annoying to a journalist. Uh, but, 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 but it's <laughs> and number two, because we're getting down to the end. But internally, <laughs> it is. And then secondly, what I've learned from Alan, just be yourself. Be comfortable in your own skin and, uh, and you know, just be comfortable. Every day is a sunny day with Alan. <laughs> <laughs> Smile and now with Mark, Kansas. too. Yeah. And Mark, too. Sunshine we're going to have to have you back because we didn't get into a whole bunch of things. We never talked about the UAW. We never talked about where Lincoln is going, so yep. we're going to have to have you back in the future, Mark. But love thanks so much for coming on AutoLine. It's always terrific love having here. you here. Thank you. Gene Jennings, great having you. Jason Stein, thanks Thank to you. you. And a big shout-out to everybody watching. Thanks for tuning in.